Some viewers may find the following video disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. It's 4 o'clock in Los Angeles. It's 6 o'clock in Chicago. And it's 7 p.m. in New York City. Hello, everybody. Mad Dog the Scipio for What's the Buzz America's Popcast. We're uh, we're not used to seeing you on a Friday night. <laughs> Amelia, it's yes. Friday. How about this stuff? Wow, right? <laughs> it's a Friday. We're not used to being here on Friday. No. But we have a very, very special guest. He will... Uh, He's joining us shortly. We actually had him here a moment ago. Um, John Whitaker. You remember him as little Johnny Whitaker from Family Affair and Sigmund and the Sea Monster and a whole bunch of, of other film credits that you will see roll across the bottom of your screen throughout the show tonight. So while we're waiting for uh, for John to rejoin us, Amelia, how are you today? What's, what's up with the, with the pit bull? That's doing good. I just, it was a weird day today. It's actually raining again in Florida. Can you believe it? <laughs> I can't go so deluged here. Oh my gosh. We had the like biggest lightning. It was so scary. I was like, I was telling my son Joseph, do not touch anything metal in the car. Because <laughs> like right? the biggest lightning, because you don't want to touch. Because if you, I don't know if you know, but Florida is like the biggest lightning capital of the world. Oh yeah, I know. And so you can catch absolutely. the prettiest lightning pictures if you catch it just right. Yeah. But the absolutely. best ones to do is by the water because there's so many trees here. It's hard to catch any good pictures here. Yeah. It, it's it been bizarre here today. It was a strange weather day. It really was. It's been a weird couple of days. So. Uh, it was chilly. We, we had all four seasons in one day today. Wow. It was freezing this morning. It was hot late morning and then it turned black and it deluged and was windy it felt like it was going to snow and then right after that the sun came out and it's 90 degrees now wow where is it that you just normally go on vacation i i saw the dark dark clouds what's a vacation (laughs) (laughs) well normally you and the family go on vacation i saw like like this dark dark cloud it was like yeah. so dark. I was like, what in the world happened there? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, it's been it's it's been odd. The weather's been really strange. I don't know what's going on across the country, but um the National Guard is in 46 states right now. Hmm. There's John Whitaker. Oh, you know what? It's using my other just a second here. Oh, take, take your time, my friend. Take my your time. Yeah. camera off. It's, oh, okay. It decided to use a different camera. 
I like the other camera better, but uh, anyway, you're in my office. There's my bedroom. And, well, I, uh, I introduced everybody uh, to John, told yeah. everybody who you are, that you're here tonight. Um, so well, uh, let me officially welcome you. Welcome to What's the Buzz Podcast. Yes, welcome. Thank you very much. You are quite welcome, my here. friend. Well, love and have you here. It really is. Yeah. It's great to have you. Um, just telling Amelia, you know, it's been kind of strange weather. What's the weather doing in, in California right now? Well, in June, in California, we always have what's called June gloom. Hmm. Oh, there you go. So <laughs> it's always kind of foggy, but today it's sunny and bright and beautiful. Wow. Oh, we probably need to go over there where he's at. <laughs> right? Let me tell everybody who John Whitaker is. Let me get my, uh, I wrote a wonderful intro for you, and I want to read it to you. I spent three days writing this intro. Oh, good. I did. It took me three days to write a, an yes, appropriate intro. You know? So, here we go. Amelia. Yes. You know me when I start something, right? Yes, he does. He takes his time to perfect everything. It has to be right. Absolutely. Yes. Let me tell everybody about John Whitaker. By the age of nine, Johnny Whitaker was a veteran of television and an established film star. Johnny was riding the crest of the Hollywood rave until something tragic happened. He turned 18 and became wealthy in a hurry. And that, my friends, was when life got real for John Whitaker. Too much time and too much money is the death knell of most child stars, but not Johnny Whitaker. He survived child stardom due to largely to really good upbringing and great parents. Having overcome adversity, personal and professional trials and tribulations, Johnny Whitaker found the redemption in the same people who watched him grow up on TV and in the movies. And ladies and gentlemen, he lived to tell the story. And he is my very special guest on this special weekend edition of What's the Buzz? America's Best Popcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Johnny Whitaker. Yes. Yes. Boy, you, so John, you know what? That, that intro alone deserves this. Amelia, what do you yes. say? Absolutely. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Look, anytime I get a chance to play our applause button, I use it. Yes, he does. Every chance he does. Yes. So, anyway, um, welcome, my friend. Welcome to the show. It took some doing to get you here. I got news for you. I reached out to a few people. Um, finally got a contact on you. Uh, you and I have some, a couple of um, mutual real-life friends, uh, Jeffrey Mark being one of them. Yes. Yeah, Jeffrey's a great guy. He's been on the show. How many times have you been here, Amelia? Like five times? Five times, yes. Yeah. Jeffrey's been here five times, and he loves to sing and tell stories and uh, of old Hollywood. And you know what? I love that kind of stuff. Um, you're a guy, John, who, as I said in the intro, you survived Hollywood stardom when so many of your counterparts at the time did not, including someone who was very, very close to you, not only uh, off camera, but on camera, Nisa Jones. Um, sad story about that young lady. Bad friends, bad situations, bad timing. Everything 
uh, worked against her. But you were very fortunate that uh, you had an incredible support system to fall onto. Did you at any point during that 17, 18-year-old, you know, troublesome age for most people, did you have uh, any temptations to go the route of the alcohol, drugs, and, and other abuses? Not at that time. Okay. Um, I um, had just finished... Well, Family Fair ended in 1971. Mm -hmm. And then I did five... Walt Disney movies back to back for Walt, yeah, five. And then I did Tom Sawyer, right. for which we are the 50th anniversary this yes. year. Yes, I actually want to talk about that later in the show. Sure. And um, then I didn't take much of a break, but I got contracted to do Sigmund and the Sea Monsters for mm -hmm. the next three years. And um, then, uh, that was uh, 73, 74, 75. And then in 1976, my uh, younger brother and sisters, we did the Johnny Whitaker show, which was a, um, a family variety show for the uh, uh, 200th celebration, the bicentennial celebration of the United States. Yeah. And... We uh, went throughout the Western United States singing and dancing. And that's when I uh, was in Salt Lake City. And the night before was a Sunday night. Mm -hmm. right. And we were giving a... Um, in the Mormon LDS Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Church, which of which we are members... Um, they asked us to do a little, what's like a seminar or what we call a fireside. Right. And afterwards we have like a question and answer period. And someone in the uh, congregation there said, well, we just heard that Buffy died. Is that true? Now they had heard something on the news or whatever that I had no idea. And I said, you know, no, I don't believe that to be true, but, you know, I don't know. I have been busy working for the last couple months. I haven't, yeah. you know, been taking, uh, finding out what's on the news. The next morning, I woke up and Rona Barrett on Good Morning America had made the announcement that 18-year-old uh, Buffy, Mary Anissa Jones had died of a drug overdose in Oceanside, California. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Immediately, I mean, she was a sister. Uh, we hadn't had close contact for well over three years. Don't know exactly when it was that I last, um, we were last together before that. Mm -hmm. But I immediately called Les Kaufman, who was the um, uh, publicity director for Don Federson Productions. Sure. And 
his secretary patched me in somehow to him and he was at um paula jones anisa's mother's home mm -hmm. and um i was you know just i just said whatever the family may need i'm here and would love to just let them know that my prayers and wishes and thoughts are with it with you yeah um and he said that they were going to have a very small uh memorial service and um i don't know how many people were invited i i was not invited but um you know she loved the beach they lived right off of the beach mm -hmm. and so i believe that they went out and put her ashes to sea yeah but uh it's I, a strange uh, situation is it not here you are you work with this young woman you well you you grew up together on television the both of you um the relationship you have see people don't understand this when you're watching a show you naturally assume that these people know each other and they hang out and they're friends and all this other stuff. It, a lot of times in most cases that's not the case they go their way they go home you go home you see each other. it's a job you go to work uh your relationship with your television sister uh, was it a close one, or did you just work with her and and she went her way? How, explain well, to me, John, the dynamics here. We were you no know, family affair, or what a lot of people call it, the Buffy and Jody show. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, that. This well, the second season um i believe it was called princess gowns and princess clothing had come to anisa and her management and said we'd like to make buffy clothes right and that got around and a group out of um st louis elder manufacturing company got a hold of my management team and said that and they had a, a line of clothing called they had a, a, an adult line and then a young people's line and uh then they had a children's line and the children's line they called tom sawyer right and so um they said we'd like to make clothes for Johnny to wear on the show. And of course, they had to make three of everything because that's what you do for television. Absolutely. In case the kids spill something or, yeah. you know, it gets torn. Sure. And the way in which we did Family Affair was, um, well, Fred McMurray would not do My Three Sons unless he only had to work for three months out of the year yeah well you can't do a 27 episode season of a series in working three months. anything less than about nine months exactly yeah. sure yeah so 
they made it so that he would come in for the three months they would do all of his scenes and then the other six months they do yeah. all the scenes that everybody else was in sure so that's the way they got brian keith to do family affair right so we would see brian on uh, you know those three months and then there'd be six months we wouldn't see him sure but um well if you remember john you know uncle bill was always going off somewhere and yep. th and that's how they did it <laughs> yeah. excuse me no that's quite all right it's been a long day for you kid. Yes. no it has well yeah i uh i'm in the pre-production of a short film that i've written we'll talk about later but sure absolutely um i had to uh finish the notes that i was getting for our zoom meeting and i didn't finish them till 2 30 and then i had to get up at eight and uh, try wow. to take a little nap but it didn't work so yeah. now it's starting to catch up with me but I after i eat i think i'm gonna go right back i'm gonna go right to bed absolutely yes. absolutely well but anyway you, thank you for for joining us I appreciate oh absolutely yeah, no we've been talking about it and um you uh i promised and i'm here but yes. um family affair which was originally set for a 16 year old girl a 10 year old brother and a six-year-old girl mm -hmm. um my agent mary grady who bless her heart just passed away about two years ago at the age of 94. wow bless her she was like my godmother. Mm -hmm. uh, her son was um, uh, Don Grady from My Three Sons. And uh, her daughter was Lonnie O'Grady. Yeah. Who was in um, Eight is Enough as the oldest daughter. Wow. Wow. And so, I mean, she has her own yeah. um, background, but she yeah. was my agent all throughout my childhood and teen years. But um, I had just completed The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming. Sure. I and Brian Keith. And I hit it off really well and um he would always come to my uh little motel room knock on the door and said can johnny Whitico come out to play <laughs> oh because <laughs> i i couldn't say my hours you know um yeah, sure. the wed wed wobbin quasses the woad oh yeah and um anyway so i guess he was wanting to know what it was like to have a, a little boy he had sure. two girls with right. his first wife and um they uh anyway so here i am doing this film with some great stars i mean theodore Bakel, um uh brian keith we had, um, oh, come on, Brain, Jonathan Winters and Carl wow. Reiner. Heavy duty. 
that. Yeah. Wow. And, that, that's uh, top shelf. Yes. Anyway, so I uh, played a little boy who stopped the Russian-American War. Yes. I know and the film. So <laughs> at the end of the film, I fall off the steeple and and all of the, the men in the town make a human ladder to make sure that I would get out and off of that steeple. Yeah. Uh, but Brian and I had become friends during the three or four weeks there in mm -hmm. um, uh, Fort Bragg, Northern California. Sure, absolutely. And oh, well. uh, so he told my mother and then subsequently my agent, Mary Grady, that he wanted me to play some role, like a reoccurring neighbor role in his upcoming series. So my agent finagled it so that I could come into the screen test of the 10 year old boys. And so I came into the screen test and I was the only five year old boy, six year old boy. Yeah. And, um, they matched me up with Pamela Ferdin. I don't know if you've heard of her. I know who she is, sure. Yes, she was the voice for Lucy for many years. Yeah. And she was also on The Odd Couple as mm -hmm. Tony Randall's daughter. Daughter, yep. And um, a couple of other young ladies and then Anissa Jones. Mm -hmm. And when Anissa and I were on screen, the producer said, stop the presses we're going to change it from a six-year-old and a 10-year-old to six-year-old twins yep anisa was almost eight at the time i was She's gonna like, ask you about that because one of the questions it's funny went right where i was gonna go mm -hmm. one of the questions i was gonna ask you is i know that the the production wasn't supposed to be twins I was going to ask you, when was the decision made to have Buffy and Jody be twins? Because I know that that wasn't the original game plan. Uh, and, and I heard that they went through three or four different um, incarnations of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly sure of that history. All I remember is being on the set and not having any other boys my age yeah usually um I, you know i had been working since i was almost four sure so i was you know three and a half four four and a half five five and a half and now yeah. i'm six yeah all of that time whenever i would go into an audition yeah there would always be a certain group of boys that were my age sure and you know you got to know each other and you know hey what's up what did you do? How but was you all stomach? showed up for the same auditions everywhere. <laughs> all the time. All the time. Yeah. So, so I'm there were... and I'm the only six year old boy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a little uncomfortable, but you know, okay, yeah. just read the lines, do the, the job. That's it. Yeah. And uh, the rest is, as they say, history. So but, they tell me. Let's talk about history, John. Let's talk about history. They tell me that uh, 
like Elvis Presley, you were discovered in church. Absolutely. So what's this about you being able to sing uh, choirs and ad-libbing? What's this about you You know, kind of like ad-libbing off the cuff? Well, my mother this was... The- a legendary show business. I want to set this yeah. up for people. Right. You want to know how things happen in Hollywood. It's all... Go to church. Timing. Go to yeah. church, okay? Because there's always going to be either an agent a manager or a scout in church. <laughs> so who was it that was uh, listening to you sing in church? Well, my mother was the children's choir director mm-hmm. that year. Um, and it was October of 1963. Mm-hmm. And a five-year-old girl was supposed to sing my role and my sisters were going to help her sing the chorus to this new song i am a child of god and so um my sisters and this little girl had rehearsed and rehearsed and when she couldn't rehearse i was there and i kind of took her place not as an understudy, but just because they needed somebody to sing so my sisters could practice Yeah. while my mother played the piano. Anyway, so the night before, the young lady who was supposed to sing gets the chicken pox. Oh, oh wow. She, oh. she can't come up and be... And this, my mother thought, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? And my older sister, Sherry said well mom johnny knows the words he can sing it and she was oh but he's only three and a half almost four but you know (laughs) just a little thing well we practiced and in rehearsal i did a beautiful job everything was great uh we get up uh and of course if you've been in a congregation for the young people's choir performance day um all the congregants are sitting down and all the children are up on the the dais or, or on the pulpit and waving at mommy and daddy and <laughs> you know um i'm sure i was waving at my mommy and daddy and uh, <laughs> uh there i was and um the song came up and the sister who was playing the piano for us played it and i am a child of god and he has sent me here has given me an earthly home with parents kind and dear then my sisters joined in lead me guide me walk beside me help me find the way teach me all that i must do to live with him someday. And then she played the intro to the second verse. And I started singing, I am a child of God. And I forgot the words to the song, but she's (laughs) playing along and I'm singing my song. So I better just 
fake it through. <laughs> I am a so she played again. I am a child of God, and He has sent me here. And I am such a real good boy. I'll always be of good cheer. And my sisters were elbowing me, and you know that's not the right words. And I'd be like, leave it alone. People are watching us. Look out at the audience. Just smile. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Just keep on singing. Go on with the show. And so my sisters then went ahead. Lead me, guide me, walk beside me. And then the third verse, we got just fine. Um, in the congregation, um, actually, the Osmonds were in the congregation. Oh, wow. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> The Osmond family, they were all living, 96 of them. Yeah. Well, at the time, there was um, the eight boys and Marie. So, bless your heart. Um, anyway, they, um, they were in the congregation, but it was not anybody from the Osmond family. There was another member of the congregation, and her son had done some commercials mm -hmm. and I suppose her agent was looking for new talent or whatever, but just sure. said at three and a half years old, he was able to get through and just be professional in a church performance. He's got it. So my mother and father being, you know, we're now um, five children um with a baby on the way or maybe she was just born mm -hmm. i gotta remember i'm writing my memoirs by the way oh, okay so um it's all in there but um yeah. when i'm not exactly sure i'd have to look back and remember when my sister mary was born, right. 63 or 64 because if it was well she just turned so it was 63. So she was just born because she just celebrated her 60th birthday. No, okay. 62. Okay. So she was just an infant um, okay. because we had her celebration um, in Cancun, Mexico, my sister, Mary. Beautiful. And anyway, so um, the next day or I, that was Sunday, so Monday or Tuesday, my mother makes sure there's somebody to babysit the other kids while she and I go to meet this agent, and she falls in love with me. And actually, my first agent was Ken Osmond's mother. Sure. Ken Osmond. For those people who are too young to know, Ken Osmond played um, a character on Leave it to Beaver, uh, called Eddie Haskell. Exactly. See, I'm I'm old. I, I know <laughs> got it. So, um, but I went to meet with her. She sent my mother and I on an audition that very hour. Wow. And I got my first wow. job. And uh, then know, I started. I got a question about that. I got a question about that because here's the thing. You know, at at a certain age, you can decide for yourself whether you want to act or not or whether you want to be a part of this kooky business. 
So you're three and a half, four years old at this point in time. Uh, you know, just a, a young child, let's put it that way, right? So you, you're really like kind of like, um, you know. Oblivious. You know, uh, I wouldn't say, um, you know, kind of open to what's happening, but you're not really having a choice these people are making the decision essentially for you. But at some point, you either like what you're doing or you don't. When did the I really like this kick in? That is a very good question. I, I pride myself. <laughs> but I don't know if I can give you an answer, actually. That's because... fair enough. And, and I've actually, and I'll tell you why I asked that, John. We've had a lot of actors and actresses on the show, people in the entertainment business, everybody from, you know, uh, character actors to stars to directors and, and everyone in between. The one thing that I always ask someone that was a child actor is when did the I want to do this, I really like this kick in, and most of them can't tell me. So what you're saying confirms 99% of everything I've already heard. They don't know either, John. They just know that at some point this became their, their normal. This became their normal. This, um, this kooky, crazy way of life, you know, uh, not going to work, but, but working, you know, making money. Right. Well, um, I have always been, uh, well, you know that I work in the mental health field as a drug and alcohol counselor. Yeah, we're actually going to talk about that quite a bit. But um, because we're at that point right now, one of the things that uh, I have studied and been a life participant in is um, the fact that... Um, child actors or children right. who work at an early age, they kind of are forced into a situation that may or may not be comfortable for them. Yeah. Um, for me, I loved it. You know, it was, yeah. um, it, I liked the accolades. I liked people, you know, fawning on me. Um, and for that reason, mm -hmm. I, um, hold on just a second. I'm looking sure. for something. Well, he's doing that was, I guess we could go ahead and do our break. Well, oh. yeah, let's work. You know what, John, I'm not actually up against a hard break right now. Why don't we do this? Let's take a word from our sponsor and, uh, and we'll come back, um, uh, We'll come right back with you, okay? How about that? Sounds great. Let's do that.
just wanted to start a business when something surprising happened. Today, I'm going to teach you how to crochet. She started crocheting, like a lot, and her friends noticed. Jess, you need to sell those. So she signed up for Shopify and started building her business. Yes, I love that. And after a lot of hard work, this happened. Oh my gosh, I just made my first sale! You see, every day, hundreds of businesses get their first sale on Shopify. We got dang! And the next could be you. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life and become your own boss, build it on Shopify. Do you have sweaty balls or volleyball netty balls? It's time to make them ready balls. The Manscaped.com Lawnmower 3.0 will do the job and clean your knob with its patented no-nick head so your head will function as desired. Enter promo code WRESTLINGFUTURE for a generous 20% discount. That's enter WRESTLINGFUTURE for a 20% discount. Manscaped.com and wrestling with the future, going balls to the walls with Manscaped.com and the Lawnmower 3.0, your balls will thank you. And so will we. What's Buzz Podcast wants to welcome Radioactive FM 88.6 in Wellington, New Zealand, Radio Perth, Australia, and RTL Radio 102.5 in Milan, Italy. Welcome aboard, and welcome to the Buzz. You are watching What's the Buzz America's Best Popcast. I am Mad Dog, Angelo Mad Dog Scipio, joined as I am each and every week by Amelia the Pitbull Chapman. Tonight, our very special guest, actor, drug and alcohol counselor, John Whitaker. How are you, John? Welcome back. Very good. Thank you. I just had to put something in the in the stove so that we had uh, potatoes in my uh uh, St. Louis ribs. St. Louis, yeah, St. Louis ribs. We're all going to Johntown yep. for dinner, Absol- by the way. Absolutely. <laughs> Let me talk a little bit about you. Are John Orson Whitaker Jr. Let's talk about John Whitaker Sr. Um, what kind of dad? What did you have? I mean, what kind of dad was was uh, was Pop? Well, my father grew up. Uh, he was born in 1927 or 28. And uh, right growing up in the Depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, he grew up in central Utah, where many Whitakers live. Um, actually, I had to do a podcast, and I thought I was going to make it to Provo from L.A. in time for the podcast, but I didn't. So... <laughs> As I was driving through Fillmore, Utah, I went into the local grocery store and I asked the young lady there, I said, do you know any Whitakers in town? She goes, I'm a Whitaker. Oh, and really? <laughs> I said, really? And um, she gave me the number to her aunt and I called the aunt. She goes, oh, Johnny, I know who you are. Everybody knows who you are. Oh, and um, uh, 
what can I do you for? And I said, well, I've got a little situation. I need a room with my computer for about an hour. And that's about, you know, about two hours. And um, that's all I need. And she goes, well, come on over to our place. We'll give you a, a room to, to. So I did. Mm -hmm. I finished. It was actually a Zoom class. I finished the class. And um, it was almost 11 o'clock. And she says, well, you're not leaving here at 11 o'clock and driving anywhere. <laughs> she said, I got a room over here and you can stay. And so I got a room and a great breakfast the next morning and then left. Wow, but, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that's when my father uh, was born in Kanash um, and Fillmore, Utah. And then they moved to Nevada right. uh, and were itinerant farmers uh, picking fruit um, because that's what a man and his wife and, you know, eight kids could do. And my grandmother was teaching them. Um, and she had a high school diploma or maybe even a little bit of college but enough schooling to where she would make sure the kids got some some education then they moved to ellensburg washington where my grandfather bought a farm and that's where they homesteaded or stayed for most of the rest yeah. of the time and then when grandpa and when grandpa retired they moved back to utah and that's where he passed I'm but, always interested in, in knowing about the uh, the male aspect of the family. You know, you hear these stories coming out of Hollywood. It's it's the mother that encouraged the child. It's the mother that participated at church. It's the mom that did a lot of the you know um, the legwork. But you you very seldom hear at least you know positive stories about the father, the male influence on the family. Well, my father and mother met in um, northern Utah, mm -hmm. in Logan, and they were going to Utah State University there. Okay. And my mother was the Delta Phi queen that year. And my father knew my uncle, my mother's brother, and they were like fraternity brothers. And when he saw my mother in this pageant he turned to my uncle who didn't know that it was his sister he says i'm gonna marry that girl <laughs> he said you know good luck you you know you got to get in line but afterwards they met <laughs> fell in line fell in love and had two children there in logan and my father graduated with a degree in uh industrial arts and education and for him came to uh the los angeles area where he started in a brand new middle school called pacoima junior high school which was pacoima middle school but for 40 years plus he never missed a day of work was always there 6 30 7 o'clock in the morning and would yeah. leave at 3 30 when you know school yeah. was over sure but then because he had 
five or six hungry mouths to feed, he started a, um, a, a gas station, which took him to the cleaners, unfortunately. Ah. But then he started uh, working with the um, youth probation and youth detention and working with them and teaching them industrial arts and leather working and um then i started working and when my salary started to exceed his salary he stopped working two of his jobs but continued the teaching as my salary and my income you know doubled and sometimes tripled my dad's wow. income yeah was that difficult for him to deal with, John? I don't know. I, I'm um, asking for a very specific reason. Uh, Danny Bonaducci was a friend of mine for, good for man. a little while. And, and he's, we got to have our prayers go out to him. Yeah, Danny needs yeah. a lot of prayer right now. He's dealing with some serious stuff. Um, but Danny tells the story. Uh, in fact, he told it to me personally at my father's restaurant. Uh, that um, when his salary exceeded his father's, and his father was a television writer who apparently nobody could write better than Joe Bonaducci, evidently. Um, so, and, and to the point where he stopped looking for work. But Danny says that his father um, was jealous of the fact that Danny was making four or five times the amount of money he was making. And most of the time, um, you know, Danny, and you realize this, you don't really have to break a sweat, especially if you're a child actor. There's, you know, the, the constraints on you aren't really great. You can't do an awful lot. You've got to be schooled. You have to have a, a tutor on set. So it's not like they're, you know, hitting you with these hot spots all day long and and saying, you know, mush, mush, you know, get it done, get it done. You know, I, I know quite a bit about the business, enough to know that particularly when it comes to child actors, it's a very different animal. Yeah, John, your mic is muted. Yeah. There we go. I had there to uh, tell my my buddy to uh, take the meat out because the the it had just the buzzer had rang. Awesome. Anyway, oh gosh, that smells good. It's almost time for dinner. <laughs> anyway, um, my mother was the go getter. She was the one who um, kept us going and and. Um, was there all the time for me, but um, so my father continued his job, never missed a day. Right. But you know, as I started working and taking mom away from the kids, we got a, a a helper. We never called her a maid. We never called her a nanny. She was a helper. Mm -hmm. And um, when my brother called her a maid, 
my mother swatted him on the bottom and said, we don't have any maids here. She's one of us and she's just helping me because I'm helping Johnny. So um, she didn't speak any English, Spanish only. And my father spoke fluent Spanish. So um, they had a, their conversations together. Anyway, um, but um, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there was some masculinity, emasculation that, you know, but he never showed it. I mean, right. he was proud of me and glad that I was doing it, but he never wanted to interfere with the work. Yeah. He would have mom do it. And then, you know, agents and managers and those people that uh, were doing the work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, um, I don't regret any of my past, even Good. some of the torrid past that I have, because it is made me who I am today. Absolutely. Good for you. And, um, you know, although some of my actions were not as Christian and appropriate behaviors for the way that I was brought up and that I believe and that I attempt to follow mm -hmm. as a good Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ today, but you know, five years ago and then 20 years before that, when I got into drugs and we'll talk about that a little bit later on, I guess, sure. but, um, my father was a very good man, excellent but provider, um, showed tender, loving care to my mother. And if we ever yelled at my mother, my dad would pick us up by the ear and say, that's my sweetheart. You do not talk to her that way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they showed affection openly. Um, even Beautiful. sometimes with tongues, which got us all. Ah. <laughs> but um, we knew that they were in love and we knew that they were a couple and that they loved us. Beautiful. And, you know, that was that was my father. John, was there ever time when you said to yourself or maybe discussed with mom uh, or mom or dad or both that, uh, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Maybe I just well, want to be like a normal person for a while. What I remember before I did any show or series or movie right is let's just say i go on an audition usually mom is there i rehearse the lines or i practice whatever it is that i'm preparing for you know doing for the the scene and when i finish i come out and my mother says how do you think you did I think, oh, I did okay. She goes, well, if they don't hire you, it's their problem, not yours. 
confident mama. Oh, yes. And so, you know, mom let me know that I was always the best kid there. And it didn't matter what happened, that if I didn't get the role, then, you know, they didn't get the best, the best kid. And I was the best kid for the role. I should tell people that I'm holding in my hand a list of credits. These are Johnny Whitaker's television and film <laughs> credits. Yeah. I've got nine pages. I'm not even kidding. Mm-hmm. Nine pages. And you're going to actually see at the end of the show, I put a list of, uh, of Johnny Whitaker's film and television credits. All right. It's a full minute long going a mile a minute. You got to see this stuff. I crammed it all. (laughs) But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this. You've worked with some Hollywood heavyweights, some some really important people. Um, You mentioned Fred McMurray earlier. Um, It is well known among people like myself that uh, I consider myself a Hollywood historian, film historian, Fred McMurray didn't like kids. He didn't (laughs) like children. You're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. You probably lived it. (laughs) Well, I never worked with Fred McMurray. Okay. They worked right next door uh, in um, My Three Sons. Mm -hmm. And my only interaction with Fred McMurray was I came out of the stage, stage 12, yeah. at Mary Tyler Moore Studios in Studio City. Okay. Which uh, is now a different name, but it used to be MTM Studios. Um, but um, 4024 Radford Avenue, CBS Studio Center. Yes. Anyway. Don't know why I remember that so well, <laughs> but um, I came out of this this the stage because I was hiccuping, mm-hmm. and I couldn't stop hiccuping, and so I came out and I was, <laughs> <laughs> and Fred was out there smoking a cigar, and said, "What's wrong, boy?" <laughs> and I said, "I'm <laughs> hiccuping," and. I tried everything and I can't get rid of the pickups. And he goes, hold on right there. Hold on just one moment. He ran into the studio or into the stage, which was stage 10, I think. And um, came out with a little cup of water. He says, now drink out of the wrong side of the cup. And I said, what? (laughs) So, you know, here's a cup and you would drink out of this side Mm -hmm. like that. It says, no, drink out of the other side of the cup. And so I went and you have to bend over all of the way. Yes. But in doing that and Mm -hmm. sucking it up, somehow it reverses the hiccup action. It sure hell does. (laughs) And um, it it works. Don't ask me. Immediately. Immediately for me. And, you know, he said, well, that's just a little New York theater trick we learned, you know. And that's my Fred McMurray story. 
<laughs> Remarkable. <laughs> a lot of actors we speak to here on the show, particularly uh, people that work as, as child actors, um, they have their favorite and least favorite personality. Somebody they loved working with and someone they'll never want to work with again. Let's do both of those. Who is the one that you would love to work with every day? Um, Brian Keith. Um, and I did three months out of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, just going down the list in my head. It's, I mean, every, I, I didn't have anybody that I wouldn't like to work with on a regular basis. Really? Uh, Will Gear was fun to work with, and after I worked with him, he became the grandpa on uh, uh, the Waltons. Walton, sure, yeah. yeah. And he played my grandpa in a Disney movie called uh, Napoleon and Samantha. Yep, I know that one as well. And um, Jodie Foster was lots of fun. Your first oh. screen kiss. Her first screen oh, kiss. Oh, her ah. first screen kiss. Oh, yeah. Yours was actually on Family Fair. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that, too. <laughs> yeah, Jodie Foster's first screen kiss was Johnny Whitaker. How about that shit? I right. Mean, oh. And then she goes gay. Yeah. Not my fault. Well, you know what? People are going to talk now. <laughs> People are going to talk now. Amelia Chapman. Mm -hmm. It's an hour into the show and you haven't gotten a question in yet. Well, guess what? What? We're flipping the script on you. You're <laughs> up. As he was saying, you know, about people that you like to work with and everything, I noticed that you also had an episode on Bewitched. How was Elizabeth Montgomery to work with? That was somebody else that I would love to work with. She was um, one of my favorites. But she was a wonderful woman. All, I mean, um, Mad Dog, you and I are in the same age range. Growing up, there was Bewitched, yes. and there was I Dream of Genie, absolutely, and there was Gilligan's Island. Yep, and those were all the like girls that we all wanted to, you know, be oh, with. Sure, and, and Dawn Wells and Bob Denver were friends of mine. Don was they, a beautiful person. May they person. both rest in peace. Yes. But um, anyway, so I, of course, was enamored by Elizabeth Montgomery. After who wasn't? She was <laughs> and when I found out that I was going to play a role on Bewitched, and now I'm going to get to see how the magic is done. Yeah, because you, you think <laughs> because in Family Affair we didn't have much magic except that the back lot at 4024 Radford was Spain, Italy, um, uh, Brazil. Mm -hmm. Where else did we go? Tahiti. Um, yeah. So it you know, became whatever country they needed it to be, <laughs> and so exactly. that's what was the magic to us where, you know, we were in a different country, but we were still in studio city, California. Sure. But, um, 
I got on the set and I was nervous as heck, you know, and I'm usually not nervous on the set. I, you know, okay, okay. But here I am with my star. Absolutely. Elizabeth Montgomery. Mm -hmm. And this was the brand new Darren. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Dick Sargent. Yeah. Yeah. Dick York had been ill and left the show. And so Dick Sargent came on as the new Darren. Yeah. And Elizabeth was pregnant. Um, and I think she had already had her son, but she was playing in pregnant clothes. Yeah. Uh, but they were doing this, the episodes where she was pregnant. Sure. Anyway. Um, and so I am on the set and the first scene they're doing some magic and, you know, they say freeze, everybody freezes. And somebody goes in and pops in or pops out or something pops in. And I go, that's how they do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then they say, okay, and action. And Mm -hmm. so then they continue the scene. Anyway, um, I I was enamored by her. And I only had a couple of scenes with her. But uh, she's another one I would love to have worked with more regularly. I would have gave a year's salary just to see Barbara Eden's belly button. <laughs> no, I haven't. Did, you, did you ever notice when I dream of Judy? They never showed her navel. Never. It was that was considered obscene, Amelia, back in the oh, day. Oh yes, it was exactly. Oh my God, the yes. TV censors would go crazy. Yes. Oh my. Now, they'd be rolling over in their graves now she made up for it in the movie harper valley pta though let's talk about that john what do you think of television today well when you and i were growing up we had three stations yeah abc cbs and nbc yep that was it (laughs) Now, in some markets, you might have a local station, and in some areas, you might have a PBS station, but you had to have rabbit ears to get get them. (laughs) Right. We had them. (laughs) Right. So you had the UHF so that you could get that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Then television and streaming television kind of exploded and we had of course fox and um warner and all of these others that grew yeah Mm -hmm. so there was a lot more content that was available Mm -hmm. not all of it good yeah true enough yeah but um Nowadays, with streaming, as I'm sure you've noticed and you've recognized, that there are literally tens of thousands of channels that we can go to and see. Unfortunately, there are not tens of thousands of channels we can go to for positive good 
television. Yeah. Viewing. I say that a thousand channels and nothing to watch. Nothing to watch. Nothing, nothing wholesome, nothing entertaining. Reality television isn't even reality television. It's scripted. Got news for you folks. If you think that any of those shows are reality, there's a writer back in some room somewhere writing this mess. Yes. That ought to tell you all you need to know. John, and um, you, uh, at some point you decide in your, um, in your journey that uh, you're going to slow down the acting a little bit and you're going to take on a more um, positive, um, uh, a more insightful role uh, helping people. You decide maybe I'm going to um, invest some of my time and, and my life experience and trying to make things a little better for folks. When did you get involved? How and when did you get involved in uh, in working with um, alcohol and drug uh, abusing people? Well, we have to go back to Anissa Jones. Okay. I kind of figured, John, that that might have been the catalyst. Summer of 1976 mm-hmm. was kind of the pinnacle of my career. Yeah where I was doing the Johnny Whitaker show and was pretty much a household name. Right. Well, you were absolutely. Um, I, um, heard Rona Barrett say, Mary Anissa Jones, Buffy died of an overdose. I immediately, like I said before, called Les Kaufman, got a hold of him. Um, and unfortunately, Anissa, uh, the coroner there at um, um, Oceanside, where she lived, or where she was partying, she actually lived still in uh, Los Angeles in um, Playa del Rey. Mm-hmm. But. Um, the medical examiner said he'd never seen that amount of drugs non-ingested yeah. in a human being before. He said that there was almost a baseball size of pills that were in her stomach. Oh my God. Yeah, that's uh, that. Actually, that's documented too. By the way. Um, so I'm going to just give everybody kind of a little, right where you are, I'm going to give everybody kind of a little um, a synopsis of, of what John's talking about. Anissa's, uh, dr- well, actually it's Anissa, her name. Anissa's drug problem continued to escalate to the point that she was taking large amounts of Quaaludes, Angel Dust Coke, barbiturates, liquor, and marijuana. Buffy's life was on a one-track road to hell, and Uncle Bill, Jody, Sissy, and Mr. French were unable to pull her out. On August 28, 1976, while attending a party at her friend Helen's house in Oceanside, Anissa would take one of her healthy doses of barbs, phenocycline, coke, and methoquilone, and her boyfriend claims to have checked on her, which they later found out he was lying his ass off, um, said she was fine and she wasn't. An hour later, her friends would find her dead, after putting her clothes on her, 
They called the paramedics. It was too late. She was declared dead from what the coroner would say was one of the most massive overdoses he'd ever seen. She was just 18 years of age. John, too much money, too much time, too much fame. What was it too much of, my friend? Well, she had mom. Unfortunately, both. Means, opportunity, and motive. Yeah. M-O-N. She also had a mother that in the past, she depended entirely upon Anissa's income for their income. Right. And for that reason, um, when she stopped working, of course, she was not very happy. Uh, and Anissa had chosen not to work anymore. But she went on to um, the wrong crowd. But so that was kind of a turning point. I had chosen to stop working, but my agent didn't stop submitting me. I still did another pilot episode for a series called Mulligan Stew. I remember it. And um, I played the oldest boy, and I had a cousin who was older than I was. And it was kind of a family affair, mixed family uh, with my parents. Mm -hmm. uh, Eleanor Donahue played the mother. Absolutely. Um, and um, anyway, we. Um, I then went back to high school. I uh, wanted. I, was on the the uh, uh, cheer team. One of my girlfriends was a cheerleader and wanted me to be her co her guy cheer that would lift her up and throw her up and around. And mm -hmm. so I did that and uh, took some gymnastics classes, thinking I might be um, Russ Tamblin or something like that. <laughs> um but that didn't work out necessarily but i um then went to college and while in college i uh was given uh an opportunity to talk to my bishop which is my ecclesiastical leader mm -hmm. and all young men in the lds church at the age of 18, prepare for a mission by the time that they're 19. Right. And so 1979 to 81, I served a mission for the LDS Mormon Church in uh, Portugal. And that was a beautiful experience. Um, I still speak Portuguese today. É verdade. Eu posso falar português sem qualquer dúvida. And but, then, <laughs> but um, I um, came home from my mission, married a beautiful model. Four years into the marriage, she divorced me to marry the man who gave me my bachelor party. Ouch! I that had, hurt. 
a girlfriend who had a four and a half year old daughter who um, wanted to play ball while I was raking in the backyard. And so I hopped the fence and asked her mother if we could play. And she said, no, not unless she could play along with us. So the three of us played and that was in June and in July, August and September, we became kind of a couple. September, she called me because I was in Los Angeles and she was in Utah and said that she was pregnant. Hmm. I immediately got, you know, on the phone. Yeah, sure. I may have been in lust with her, but I told her that I was in love with her and that I loved her daughter and that the girls and I would be a family. And she goes, I don't love you and I don't want to have your baby. Oh, there's a brutal wake up. Um, she's saying this with some conviction. Evidently. Oh, yeah. Now, her child that was the four and a half year old was the product of a gang rape when she was in a bar. Yeah, gotcha. But she chose to keep the baby, and I applauded her for that. But now they were in a relationship where it was, you know, semi-positive, I thought. You know, it was not forced sexual encounter that I believed. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe both of us liked what was going on. Sure. And um, she says, well, I'm not going to have an abortion. Right. But... Once the baby's born, I'm going to give it up for adoption. I said, well, fine. You can give it to me, and I will raise the child. No, I don't want that. Wow. And I, well, your hormones are raging. Things are crazy. Yeah. And um, so I tried to get a, in touch with her a couple of weeks later. It was October. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't answer the phone. I tried her a yeah. couple of days later. She wouldn't answer the phone. I contacted her mother, who three-wayed me in with her. Sure. And I said, look, I'm just here to, to, to help you. I, I love you. You're going to have my baby. I want us to be copacetic yeah. together, um, co-parenting, whatever it is that, you know. It sounds like you're doing yeah. everything above board. You're saying the right things. You're... You're projecting positivity at every turn, but this woman appears to be like a sadomasochistic in her head. She said, I, you know, I just, it's too, you're making it too easy. What the you fuck know? is that supposed to mean? You're trying to be a good dad. Yeah. You what know, the hell does that mean? I'm, I'm trying to be a good human and a yes. good. Yes. Uh, yeah. You're stepping dad. up. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, October 31st. Her mother calls me up because she had just been informed by the police that neighbors had thought that it was strange that in the morning of Halloween, there was a dead body hanging from the second story of her apartment building. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. And it was her that she had jumped off and killed herself along with my child. Oh, the baby oh, was taken into custody by her mother and later adopted by her brother. Oh. But um, that's strike two in my spiritual situation. 
as we go along. Brother, it's a wonder you're not an atheist right oh now. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's what happened. I went to atheism. Oh, I, said, I, I was going to say. Don't uh, believe in yeah. God. I'm going through the dark side. Yeah. So I chose the dark side. And, you know, I started going to bars. Started yeah. hanging out with lesser companions. Sure. And uh, people who were drinking and using on a normal basis. Yeah. And um, it just became a part of my life. Yeah. And um, a lot of things that happened, you'll have to read the book. I don't want to give it too much away. No, don't tip no, that. No, I yeah. I'll tell you what. I want to say it right now. And I want everybody here listening. I got witnesses. When this book is ready and it hits the shelf, your ass is coming right back here, son. Yes. We're going to have another conversation. Continue. So, 10 years later, I have lost two jobs, two apartments, two cars, and I'm getting ready to be evicted from another one. And my mother, brother, and sisters get together and have an intervention and say, you got to get straight. Yeah. And I say, no. And they say, if you don't, you won't ever see your two, three, and four-year-old nephews until you get clean and sober. And they were my life. They were, you know, what I, you know, they were my life. Yeah. So I um, decided I would go into therapy and into treatment. Right. Um, three years later, a friend of I was not working, and a friend of mine said, "Well, you need to go back to school." I said, "School? What for? You know, I, I want to be an actor, a producer." He says, "How's that working out for you?" And I said, "Well, not so good." <laughs> and he said, "You know, go and be a." Um, uh, a drug and alcohol counselor. So I took one class, fell in love with the, with the, he was a man, but I fell in love with his manner of teaching, his mannerisms. Beautiful. Um, Absolutely. And uh, signed up for three more classes and then got my certification as a uh, certified alcohol and drug counselor. Yep. You sure or certified are. addiction treatment counselor. Yep. And um, as I finished that, started working in the field mm-hmm. and realized that I had a calling. Yes. Um, but one thing I just want to go back to, we were talking about, um, you know, some of this mental health with kids growing up in yeah. movies. Sure. Television. Um, it's critical that we discuss it. Absolutely. Five ages of adolescence is something that is supposed to be done by the time that you complete puberty. And those five stages are as follows. One, find your peer group. You find the group of friends that are like-minded that you know you like to hang with. Mm-hmm. You find a career path. What are your likes and passions? Yeah. You know, and what are your educational needs and wants? Yeah. 
then you find your life's moral compass. There you what go. Is your, what is the way in which you're going to live your life? Um, religious or spiritual belief structure? Are you conservative or a liberal? Um, what ideas do you, you know, follow? Mm -hmm. And then last, finding your sexual, no, I'm sorry, fourth, finding your sexual identity, um, you know, recognizing that you are gay, straight, bisexual, a womanizer, mm -hmm. um, also your beliefs in a family life, if you want to have children or not, and how many children, right? and what that might look like, and that's part of your sexual identity. Yeah. And then the last is rebellion against authority. Absolutely. Now, those are the five ad uh, stages of adolescence or tasks, I guess, yep. is a better word for it. Um, because it's not stages, they're tasks. Uh, but when you look at that, a peer group, when you're six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, is forced upon you. Sure. And most of them are 10, 20, 30 years older than you. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But that's your peer group. Sure. You have a career path already made for you. Absolutely. Of course. So you don't have a chance to choose or find a career yeah. path. And that was what I alluded to you earlier. You don't have a choice. You become an actor okay so i'm an actor now that's what i'm going to do i'm with with no say in it yes. let me tell people that john whitaker is a worked as a mental health counselor at the center for counseling and education he has been a member of the board of directors at alcohol justice the la director of a new path parents for addiction treatment and healing and the high road program which is cocaine anonymous world service office in southern california among other things, uh, at the uh, end of the show, you will see a list of John's credits. John, you have also been involved heavily with uh, a spiritual movement. I want to talk a little bit about, because often these um, rehabilitation programs often have a spiritual element to them. Um, is it important, in your opinion, to pair a person with a belief system is that is that part of the healing process is is it necessarily part or is it critical a part in the 20 years plus that i've been working as a certified addiction treatment counselor I believe, and I've been taught, and I follow the philosophy that there are four parts of our of our being: body, mind, emotions, and spirit. Absolutely. Now, um, each of those need to be equally parsed in our lives, or as best we can. Yeah. And sometimes, when one gets a little out of whack, we need to push it over and move some of the others so that they kind of match up. Yeah. But 
I'm not saying a religious component, but a spiritual component is extremely necessary. Okay. Excellent. Okay. And um, my sponsor, my first sponsor in the 12-step programs, you have a guide or a helper. Um, his name was Steve Everingham. And Steve is no longer with us. He died of the um, effects of HIV and AIDS. Okay. And he was openly a gay man. Okay. Nothing wrong with gay. I was an atheist at the time. Mm -hmm. And he said, John, I am a gay man who has HIV AIDS. And I don't know what this higher power business is, but I will tell you that whatever it is works for me. They said, well, you know, I grew yes. up in a Mormon family and I don't want mm -hmm. anything to do with drugs or, or with, with God. Yeah. Says, well, do you want to deal with drugs on your own? Said, well, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. He says, well, let me just give you a scenario. Let's go back at the time I had about six, nine months clean and sober. Right. Nine months ago. And I invite you to my place. And I've got every drug imaginable available here. And I say, you know, I want you to um, enjoy watching the, the movie or whatever it is we're going to do. But I've got to go take care of some business. But don't, you know, don't start partying without me. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, he said, how soon, how long would it take you once I leave the room to go up and get that drug or drink or whatever it is. I said, before the door hits you in the butt, I'm up there getting my stash. <laughs> exactly. And he says, well, that I... means that that inanimate object has a power greater than you. Exactly. So exactly. you have to find a power greater than that substance. And he says, I don't know what this entity yeah. is, but I pray to God every night and every morning. And it's a simple prayer. And it's a heartfelt prayer. Mm -hmm. I try to, you know, in the morning, God, keep me sober. Uh, God, help me to get through the day without hurting anybody. Help me to be of service to my fellow beings. And, you know, bless me that I can be successful in my endeavors. Absolutely. And that's basically was his prayer. And at night he would say, God, you know, I'm going to go through a list in my head of the things that I've done wrong. Mm -hmm. And forgive me of those things. And if I've hurt anybody, especially make me remember those so that I can make amends to them so that I can sleep well tonight absolutely and you know in your grace and that was the prayer and so i learned that so you know i didn't have a god and so i just said steve's god give me strength to stay sober yes there you go and i love it i love i stayed sober with steve's god there you go yeah then four years into um, 
my recovery, my mother is now the adult music coordinator for her congregation. And it is Easter, and mom says, I want the, you know, the boys and girls to sing for my Easter celebration. Right. And my brother and I were both not very active. My sisters were. Sure. Um, and uh, we would go ahead and sing. Mom wants it. We're happy to do it. So we're singing these Christian hymns of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Sure. And I'm singing it, got the words down, got my my tenor part beautifully done and getting ready to sing and go up to the pulpit when the bishop pulls me aside and I had lost my power of the priesthood when, when you are in the LDS church uh, and I had been excommunicated. So, um, but I didn't want anything to do with God. Right. And um, the bishop asked me, says, John, I really appreciate the work that you and your brother and sisters have done to be here with us. But in all good conscience, I know that you have gone through some tough times. And I just want to know that you hold Christ in your heart and that you believe in this resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I thought to myself, excuse the, the language, Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. He's telling me that now I'm not going to go up there on the stand and I'm the only one that he's asking. Yeah. And in good 12-step belief, because I believe in being honest. Sure. Or we try to be as honest as possible. Yeah, well, we're uh, going to address that subject in a minute. Okay. I say, I get ready to open my mouth and say, go screw yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and as I open my mouth, I feel this tap on my shoulder. I look around and there's nobody there. Exactly. <laughs> God's spirit comes over me and Jesus says to me, John, you know who I am. Exactly. Yeah. I know you love me. Mm -hmm. And you need to know how much I love you. And I'm yep. waiting for you. Get up there and sing like you've never sung before. Yeah. And so I caught my breath. And I um, told the bishop... Yes, Bishop. I, I I do believe. Yes, Jesus mm -hmm. is my Lord and Savior, and 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 He did rise. And yes, absolutely, because you know this all happened in the matter of three seconds. Yeah, I'm sure it did. So I get up there and I sing, and everything is beautiful. And I come down, you know, we finish, and everybody's crying and saying it was a beautiful. We felt the spirit. Yeah. It was so lovely. And I go home and I call Steve and I say, Steve, guess what? I'm Christian. And he says, bullshit, you're Christian. <laughs> and I said, what? How can you, a gay, AIDS-laden man, tell me I'm not a Christian? He says, John, 
Christians do certain things and you're not doing any of them. Now, you can believe in God mm-hmm. and you can believe in whatever God you choose. Absolutely. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, you're going to be a Christian. Absolutely. Yes. The moral of the story is you can bullshit yourself, right. but you're not going to bullshit God. Nope. Absolutely so, not. So that that was a 20-year process. Right. That brought me to um, being able to be rebaptized mm-hmm. in the LDS church, receive all of my blessings back yeah. in full fledged full fledged. And you know, I, I don't hold any scorn or remorse toward the LDS church for their actions. I played against the rules and I did things that were non-Mormon. And, you know, I accepted that, but it also let me go hog wild, which I did. Sure. Well, every organized religion has uh, its, uh, its detriments and its... Um, assimilations. We all have to understand what our limits, though, are, uh, what we are willing to deal with spiritually, uh, what we're not willing to deal with spiritually, and uh, akin ourselves to an organization or a belief system that works for us. That's why there are so many you know, religious re- religiosity is all around us. In this day and age, in 2023, it's at an epic height. You've got all of this darkness around us. Well, darkness is only dispelled by the light. And there's an awful lot of light right now. Uh, John, I want to talk about, you mentioned a word there. Uh, forgiveness. I want to take a look. I want everyone to take a look at a real moment between yourself and Kathy Garber. And then let's talk about this after the uh, clip. I'm here because I know that there might have been some bad blood between us. Oh. And wanted to apologize if there was anything that I've done to cause you to to have feelings if you had at any time in all of the gigs that i set you up for said called me and said thank you that would have been very nice nothing was done to hurt you specifically if it has hurt you then i'm i'm truly apologetic i accept your apology and i think that is very good I want us to be friends. I want the future to be as positive as possible. Heck, we got 50 years together. I'm 39 and, myself. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. John, what just happened? Kathy, who was my sister in Family Affair, and we spent five seasons, five years, basically, together. Mm 
and I thought we were friends. Mm -hmm. um, and I truly understand to an extent the pain that she may have gone through and the fact that 80% of the gigs that she got for me, I never asked for. I was never contacted by her. Mm -hmm. um, I was contacted by the producers yeah. or those individuals who then contacted me. Yeah. I know that to be true, by the way. Um, we invited Kathy Garver on the show. She declined to be here. Today? Uh, we invited her uh, a week ago. Oh, okay. Knowing that you were going to be on today. Let me tell everybody um, from an outsider's perspective. We do painstaking research on this show. Yes. I wanted to make sure that I had my I's dotted and my T's crossed before I played that clip. I will tell you that I absolutely believe you. I will tell you that watching that clip was disturbing to me the first time, and it was disturbing to me this very last time, and that's the last time I'll watch it. It bothered me that I could see in her mannerism i read i read people's body language yes i'm very good at it and i could hear the tonality in her voice and i don't believe not calling her a liar i'm i will say i detect a layer of untruth there i kind of felt that myself when i saw it just for so the first time. and i will tell you um you were incredibly uncomfortable you looked like you didn't know what to say or what to do um i noticed though it was a hug coming in the door and a handshake going out the door why the change of energy from her what happened in that house well that actual scene was take two okay oh and that, that should be telling in and of itself. This was for an Oprah Winfrey special for her channel. Mm -hmm. Where are they now? And it was highlighting Kathy, which was a beautiful thing. And she mm -hmm. was, you know, the star of it. Now they contacted me and asked me if I would surprise her, they would fly me to um, San Francisco where she was living at the time. Right. And um, I just said, well, I don't think I would be a pleasant surprise for her. It appeared that way. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, you know, it would be on her turf, but I do not believe that it would be a positive situation. They go, oh, well, why not? And I had explained that there was bad blood, that 
we do autograph shows, comic cons, and things like that. Sure. Kathy refuses to take a picture with me. Right. Uh, even after the 50th anniversary of Family Affair came out. Yep. Um, she I know refused, that to be true. She refuses to, um, you know, we do a show together in Kanab, Utah. I did uh, a two-episode um, of Gunsmoke there. And so I'm welcome there as a guest for their um, pioneer uh cowboy days mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful few days where you get to see horses and cattle running down the middle of the street and mm -hmm. kind of cool right and it's an autograph show sure absolutely yeah. and you know the producer of the autograph show said oh well you know kathy's here so i'm sure she'll love to sit with you <laughs> yeah and i said i have absolutely nothing against Kathy. Yeah. I wish her the best. I want mm -hmm. only the best for her. But I do not believe that she will want to sit with me. Please ask her. Because if that is changed, I yeah. am first to, to, to be on the bandwagon with her. Yeah. But if that has not changed, then I don't believe that you're going to get a positive response right um when i went she was hello john yeah and um the next year was covid so we didn't have it but the but last year we had no two years ago we had it and there was a whole bunch of us who were getting a picture of all the people who were in the room Sure. She refused to get a picture with all of us and her being on one side and I being on the other because I was in the photo. I don't I I do not know why she did not want to get into the photo. But I made a supposition, which is wrong. I should not make a supposition. But um Well, I mean, given the well, circumstances, I would have made the same supposition. Well, yeah. again, I you know, I'm not inside of her head, so I can't yeah. say why she chose not to but she didn't yeah and so they took another picture without me in the group with her in the group yeah and um i uh you know that happened almost five years ago yeah five or six years ago i don't know exactly the the date yeah and the relationship is still extraordinarily strained extraordinarily strange yeah and, and and i've spoken to people in preparation for this interview with you and they can't explain to me uh and i and, and i suppose it, you know and, and trying to explain to you would be you know i don't know it, it, they can't explain to me her reasoning for the distance between you um this this incredible tension that exists and you're saying that was take two that looked increasingly uncomfortable the more you stayed there and if that was take two i'd have loved to see what take one looked like yep well what happened is i was in the 
uh, limousine waiting to, you know, and they were, they were, you know, they had two cameras on her and following her as, um, you know, she was yeah. doing something. Yeah, sure. And then the idea was uh, that I would be knocking at the door. So they said, okay, Johnny, it's time for you. And they had two cameras on me bringing me to the door. I knock on the door. And of course, on the other side, oh, who could it be? Yeah, and sure. So she opens the door and it's me. Right. It's yeah. Johnny Whitaker. <laughs> yeah. How are you? Oh. And I said, well, I'm fine. Now, she does not invite me into the house. Right. Oh. I heard but that. The crew kind of pushes me into the house. I heard that too. <laughs> so I am pushed yep. into the house. Oh, it was a mess, Amelia. Oh my gosh. And oh, yeah. I say, um, okay, Kathy, there are sins of commission and sins of omission. Mm -hmm. And I understand that I may have caused both. Okay. But in my heart, nothing I did was out of spite. It was out of ignorance. Right. And she goes, well, if you really want to know. And she went down a list of about 20 things. Wow. And I said, cut. Yeah. This isn't making her look good. This not. is not making me look good. I think we need to take a break. And yeah. I would really like that we take a break. And so we broke. And they talked with her, I guess. And then they talked with me. And they said, well, you know, we'd like to do a take two on this. Is it possible? And I said, Hey, it's anything is possible, yeah. you know, but I just want to let you know, I, I warned you about this. And yeah. so then I come in and we do take two and you saw what take two was, you know, almost I've got a question for you though. Sure. Knowing that you guys did multiple takes and I knew that going into this interview, you, both of you are actors. Why didn't you just act? Both of you. Why the hell didn't you just act? Oh, how you doing, sweetie? Love, 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 love. Kissy, kissy. It's wonderful to see you. Be well. See you later. Bye. The, the clip said that Johnny had something <laughs> on his chest to get off. And that's, that's what it said. And then that was this confession that you were sorry and you were... Um, you, you know, you were apologetic for if you had mistreated her or you well, said something earlier, about two years earlier, right? Kathy had gotten she and I the gig bringing the trophies out mm -hmm. at the um TV Land TV uh -huh. Land Awards. Yeah, I know about that. Mm -hmm. And um, I know for sure that she got that gig for us. Mm -hmm. And backstage, while we were resting by the awards, I just said, Kathy, this has been one of the most beautiful nights of my life. And I know that it is all due to you. 
and I thank you from the bottom of my heart mm -hmm. for doing this. Well, finally. Oh, wow. Ah, I got you. Okay. She was looking for her, you know, pat on the back. You're a wonderful person. Thank you. Kissy, kissy. Uh, you know, so she's one of those people that has to be praised for doing something good. Well, and God bless her. She can have all the praise and all the accolades she wants, but mm -hmm. she doesn't even have to like me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the, the whole idea for our fans' is... sake, you know, we need to be cordial to each other. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. And be able to thank you very much, you know. Sure. And I harbor no ill feelings toward her. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry for her that she cannot forgive and forget. Um, I thought that she may be Christian, but maybe that's a different. She looks like and sounds like, and, and forgive me for saying this, John, but she looks and sounds like a bitter old woman. When you do something good for someone, you should do it out of the kindness of your heart, your heart expecting is. nothing in no. return. Exactly. That's why you do something good. We, That's a me Christian and I do thing. good things for people all the time on this show. Oh, absolutely. We don't, sometimes we don't even tell them it's from us. No. We do we things don't. anonymously. And I could tell that that was the way you apologized to her and the way you, even it was take two, for it, just the look the in your eyes. Thing was looked so disingenuous. It looked like a put on, mm -hmm. especially in, in her part. Well, but from you him, sincerely, sincere John. Sincere and uh, heartfelt. I mean, from exactly. you, you were about to like, you're, it's just like so sad from you. It's like heartfelt. Like you meant it from like well, from the inner of your soul. You know what I mean? I love Kathy. Mm -hmm. I right. still love her. I care for her. Um, I, you know, Unfortunately, she just gave an interview shortly where she called me addicted to religion. I heard that. Yeah. And if that's what I'm addicted to, you know. God bless you and good for you, brother. Yeah. Um, I believe that I take my faith seriously. Yes. And I take my christianity seriously good for you yes absolutely and you know i was not about to return to the lds church until i could stay celibate for a year yeah that was one of my most difficult parts because in the lds church you do not have any sexual relations with anyone unless you are legally and lawfully married to that person. Absolutely. Yes, it is correct. Yep. And I was not a choir boy for the last 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, a lot and, of that, you know, the business that you're in lends to that, quite frankly. Yes. Well, and I've taken advantage and had people take advantage of me. But sure. they say that, yes. um, you know, you can't rape the willing. Um, exactly. Uh, 
No, it's just, <laughs> it's the truth. I've heard that. Ex- I've heard an that. old expression, but it's absolutely true. I've heard that. Trust Let me, me tell that. people a little bit about Johnny. Johnny is um, among the, the listing, and I want to show you. Let's put it up here on the Chiron. Mm-hmm. Uh, John was also the president of Paso Por Paso, step by step. Uh, in in the Los Angeles area, John or Santa yes. Clarita. In, okay, uh, John's also a special former projects manager at uh, the Cocaine Anonymous World Service Office. Uh, that's Coke Anonymous, and uh, I think that's in. I'm wanting to say, I believe near San Diego. Well, the the um, headquarters are currently in um, Long Beach, California. Long Beach. Okay, gotcha. But. Um, it looks like they may be moving to either um, Arizona or Texas, but I'm not sure. Okay. But yes, I, I, for one year, I was a special projects manager. I speak five languages fluently. Yeah, I'm having trouble with English, John. <laughs> and that's okay. Pasta fazul. Hey, look, I'm Italian. I'm from South Philly. What can I tell you? Uh, John is also the... Um, uh, former intake co-coordinator of Patient Tech, the 12-step weekend counselor at Canyon at Peace Park. Where's Peace Park? Is that in Southern California as well? Well, the Canyon is a very elite um, rehab center in Malibu. Okay, so it's a big money. Like 70 grand per month. Whoa! Hello there. So they got all kinds of celebrities hanging out this joint. <laughs> He's not going to tell right? <laughs> Well-known. Uh, John is a, a, a well-known staple at Walt Disney Studios. Um, he played, of course, Jody on uh, Everybody Knows Now Family Fair from 1966 to 1971. That, of course, is not the first time that John would work for Don uh, Fetterson Productions. You worked for John... For Don Fetterson Productions, two or three times. Did you not? You did a film for well, for not Don, Don Fetterson, not Don Fetterson. We did Family Affair, and then we did an offtake of Family Affair called "To Rome with Love." Oh, "To Rome with, with Love." That was Don's other show. Okay, and that, and, and we yeah. we did two episodes of that, which was kind of a it. We but you went played to Rome. I mean, you played Jody on that, right? Right. Got it. Okay, because I was running because I know that you did the, the Jody Davis character was a two show character. Uh, I couldn't remember what the other show was, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Okay, uh, and you also studied communications with an emphasis on film and TV at Brigham Young in Utah. Um, give me a little heads up, John, um, about the um, the educational. Uh, system there at Brigham Young. It's a Mormon university uh, in Utah, one of the oldest, I believe, in the, or the oldest in the state of Utah, as a matter of fact. Um, what did they teach you that you couldn't learn anywhere else, particularly with television and film? Well, um, unfortunately, Brigham Young University all the good Mormons go to BYU. And it was my hope that going to BYU, I could learn from the professors there, but I could also give back my 
14 years of experience as a uh, mm -hmm. person in television and film. And uh, I, when I, before I went on my mission, right. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, because of my love of languages, I wanted to be an international translator or right. a oh, wow. international business person. Yeah, true. Mm -hmm. So I took a Russian class and I went to Serbia and um, all these different things that, you know, were there. Sure. When I returned from my mission, I believe that my plan was to my uncle or my second cousin once removed uh the brigham young university film department and the film studio is named after my second cousin who is wetzel o whitaker okay and he worked with disney on um i think the jungle book and oh, wow. um, uh cinderella mm -hmm. and um different you know disney things and then the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints asked him to come to provo and teach them and do films for the church yeah and i was in one of them that he directed yeah and um you know i had a good time and then when it came time to come back from my mission i thought well you know maybe i could work with the church work there yeah and bring the name whitaker back into you know not as the lead not as anything important but just kind of work my way up and right. um at the time my wife and i were going through some difficult financial times right um and i went to the bonneville international which is the film and tv arm of the lds church and i just said you know yeah, i've graduated i'm here i you know would like to start working with you and they said thank you and never called me oh man oh. wow Mimi, would you like to see some of uh, johnny whitaker's credits i would love to john would you like to see some of your credits <laughs> sure take a but, look at this you know i there we go By the way, you see how fast this is going? <laughs> I had to cram this into a minute. Let's oh continue. Yeah, watch it. A lot of stuff, man. That is oh, heads up. You almost <laughs> just caught again. Oh, <laughs> that was sixty-four on-screen credits. Wow, sixty-four on-screen credits. Are you aware of that, John? I've never counted them, but thanks for the <laughs> number. Now I, I can. Yeah, sixty-four on-screen credits. That's nuts. That's crazy. Um, John, are you familiar with the uh, the movie? Being planned for Anissa Jones called Finding Anissa Jones? No. Let me show you a little clip. 
Uh, I think you'll find this interesting. She had a light in Did you know my mom's friend It's a documentary oh, sure. film. But like back in stories that blow your mind. She lived it all the way. Oh, time to let it go. You know what scares me the most? What's that? She's just gonna fade away. The idea behind this film is this. the woman uh, depicted there's her and her son. She knew Anissa when they were 17, 18 years old. And um, she was with her the night of, of the fateful party. Um... She wanted to trace back that night and find where they both wrote their names in the sidewalk, uh, where she had apparently they had buried a lunchbox with kind of like a time capsule. And it's her journey of. And I hate this word, but it's her way of gaining closure. You know, um, some people have to have that closure. Yeah, uh, I don't under for me. I don't understand closure because nothing's ever really closed. Um, you just find different ways of dealing with stuff. Well, I was curious as to whether or not you'd ever seen it uh, or were even aware of it. I was not. Is yeah. that is that available on online or? It will be available uh, as I understand on DVD. And in selected theaters. Um, but th it'll probably go straight to some online stream service. It'll probably be available on Amazon, Netflix, uh, 2B TV, uh, and any numbers. Well, I mean, we're, we're available on 2B TV sure. as well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh, and I want to welcome, oh, I have to welcome another, we have another, an, Amelia, I forgot uh -huh. to tell you. I wanted uh -huh. to do this at the beginning of the show, uh -huh. but I just wanted to get John here first. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we want to welcome a new sponsor, another sponsor, a new radio station joined us. I would love to have a new sponsor. But <laughs> our a new radio station joined us from Berlin, Germany. Germany? And, yes, Germany. Berlin, yes. I'm sorry, not Berlin, Stuttgart, Germany. Um, I said Berlin because there's a town right next to me called Berlin. <laughs> Stuttgart. Um, and we will we'll be hearing more about that station next show. Oh, welcome to I want to welcome them and they're, they're sending us. They, thank you. We're right now, John, we are on almost 3,000 radio and podcast platforms worldwide. And we're this close to hitting the 11 million mark in our listeners. Thank, Thank you. you, my brother. Thank you so much. We're doing it, uh, and we're doing it right. We have to do it right because uh, you know, we talk about people's lives. Yes. You know, we talk about the impact that people have had on our lives, uh, on people like you who affect masses of people. Um, people don't understand this. And I'm going to take the time to address this for a minute. People don't understand something. This man's not just an actor, okay? He was part of the fabric of my childhood. We're the same age. I'm actually six months older than John. Yeah, you're older. Yeah. 
Scary thought, ain't it, bro? <laughs> Scary thought. But here's the thing, though. Um, were it, you know, not for um, some divine intervention, I, too, could have had, you know, the roller coaster life that John Whitaker had. I was very fortunate. I didn't have that roller coaster life. I had mine was steady as she goes. Um, but to bring me the happiness that I had as a child, that man that I'm looking at right now had to endure some misery in his life. And now it's time for us to say to you, John Whitaker, thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you. We appreciate it. I appreciate it as a fan, as a contemporary of yours. Um, and I appreciate it as someone who is your elder by six months. <laughs> um, we are, uh, are going to let you go. I want you to come back again. Yes. Can you come back with us? Anytime. John, I left my phone number in this little private chat here. I see that. Okay. I want you to... to jot that down if you ever need us for anything let me know and uh and i'll be happy to do anything i can for you because i want um, you to come back and discuss what you're doing now because that's what kind of field i'm into as well because that's yeah. what i work with it as my profession yeah amelia works in the medical profession um the amelia, only thing i want if i could leave with one thing yes, yes sir anything people who are addicts and alcoholics yes there's four ways you can be an addict and an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. One is your environment that you grew up in. Yeah. Two Absolutely. is your family history. I'm Irish, got thousands of years of Irish whiskey in my DNA. Mm -hmm. um, three is trauma. When someone goes through trauma, the likelihood of them going to drugs or alcohol is so much greater. Absolutely. And the fourth, is feelings of not being a part of a hey, oh boy <laughs> oh yes paul where did we and hear that if we can just do our best to take those individuals yeah. who are hurting they're using drugs because they work yeah they take the pain away sometimes too well yes and they take and they need that just like they need oxygen. And Absolutely. if you can help them understand yeah, and be a listening ear, be a friend, not judge them, but let them know that you're not going to, to expect or accept illegal or inappropriate behavior, mm -hmm. but that you are there when they need you, not for money, but for support and love, Yep. That's the most important thing that a person who is in addiction, uh, in the grips of addiction, needs to know. Right. Absolutely. And we also want to tell people we are, um, we got some phone numbers for you. If you are in need of help, the National Substance Abuse Helpline is 1 800 622 HELP. That's 1 662. 662 HELP. And that is, uh, 800-662-4357. AA, and there's an AA chapter uh, in within driving distance of most people. 
Alcoholics Anonymous is 1-800-839-1686. Again, 1-800-839-1686 for AA. Coke Anonymous is, or, or CALSO as it's been called. Cocaine Anonymous World Service Office is 310. It's a California number. 310-559-5833. Again, 310-559-5833. And, of course, finally, Narconon. Narcotics Anonymous is 818-773-9999. That's 818-773-9999. Those numbers are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. They never close. You can also go to na.org, ca.org, yep. and aa.org, and you can get all of that information in your local areas within wherever you are in the world, even in Stuttgart, Germany. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what. We will definitely bring John yes. Whitaker back. But in the meantime, Amelia, what's coming up next week on What's the Buzz, America's Best Podcast? June 19th and 20th, which will be Monday and Tuesday of next week, we have the Savannah Paranormal Group coming to visit us. Savannah Paranormal from Savannah, Georgia, joins us for not one, but two nights. Two nights, a double header, Amelia. We got some work cut out for us. Oh, yes, we do. The spooky coming to visit. And the week after (laughs) that, the week of the 26th, and 27th, not we, one, but two of the country's best psychics. psychics. We've got Psychic Valentina and Psychic Tara. Tara, yes. Yeah, we're going to find out. Let's see how good they really are Right. when we put them to the test. But until next time, for Johnny Whitaker, for Amelia, the Pitbull Chapman, I'm the Mad Dog, mm-hmm. Angelo DeCipio saying goodbye Take care. God bless. We'll see you next time, folks. Have a great weekend, everyone.